that's the quietest I've ever heard children leave anywhere. Well, what is happening? That's a little suspicious, isn't it, Pastor Mike? When it's quiet in my house, I get nervous. Well, get your Bibles out this morning. We're in Proverbs chapter 6. We've been studying our way through the sixth chapter of Proverbs, enjoying all of God's wisdom here for us. Proverbs helps inject the mindset of God, the wisdom of God into our thinking. It helps to renew our minds. This is a powerful, powerful chapter here, and uh, we are taking our time as we go through it. I'm going to read Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, uh, six things the Lord hates we're talking about this morning, and we're working our way through that. So, Father, thank you for the word. Thank you that we can come to this place and worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're active and alive. Move in this place. Continue to move in our hearts. Allow us to see the truth of your wisdom in Proverbs 6 today, and Father, help it to make changes in us. Lord, we want to leave not the way we came, but we want to leave changed by the power of your word today. Holy Spirit, do that in each of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 16, six things the Lord hates. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. So, so far we've looked in this chapter. We've seen the folly of bad financial commitments. We've studied the nature of the lazy man. Any sluggard show up at church today? Consider the ant, you sluggard. We learned that. We uncovered the characteristics of the wicked man, and we closed up and saw the end of the wicked was destruction. So God gives us an opportunity to come out of the dark into the light so that we're not destroyed. Now we're looking at seven things that the Lord hates. And the first one we looked at last time was a a proud look or haughty eyes. This week we're going to talk about lying. On the count of three, everybody say lying. One, two, three. Some of you can't count to three. Let's try again. One, two, three. That was much better. That's the last time you're allowed to lie or say lying. But there are two points in the text here where God's talking about seven things that he hates. And he he mentions lying twice. And I think that should make a point to us. In uh, verse 17b, he says, a lying tongue. So obviously when you lie, you do it with words, you do it with your mouth. God hates, it's an abomination to him, a lying tongue. And then if you drop down to verse 19, he says, a false witness who speaks lies. Someone who lies about somebody else and maybe even does it in a court to where, you know, Jesus had to stand against some false witnesses, didn't he? And they lied about him and he stood there and they, they told all kinds of lies about him to try and trump up charges to get rid of Jesus. So God never liked a false witness who speaks lies and he, he never had any tolerance for the lying tongue. And we're going to look at that. Verse 17 and 19 both hit this issue. So God's making it a, a double point in the seven things here. A tongue that lies, a false witness who speaks lies. Now the truth is, When we talk about the subject of lying, none of us need a degree in theology to know that lying is wrong. You know, it's not like, you know, you're 40 years old and like, Pastor, I just found out it's wrong to lie. I'm so surprised. No, 
all of us know, ever since we were little, that lying is wrong. And, and you say, you know, it's not a big mystery that lying is wrong, yet we live in a lying generation, a lying culture. People lie. I started to look at some statistics as I was studying this topic. I, I think it's like 86% of people in, in uh, America lie daily. And, uh, and the Christian stats were even, I'm not going to get into all of it, but I'm just saying that lying is not a rarity. It's the norm. And we live in a culture that lies rather than face, you know, ridicule or hurt someone's feelings or, 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 you know, reap bad consequences. They'll just lie, and it's like it's no big deal. And I'm here to tell you that lying is a big deal. And it is not of God, and it's still sin, and it needs to be taken out of the lives of believers. Now, as we look at these texts here, and we realize that, you know, we don't need to be, uh, you know, a Bible scholar to know that lying is wrong. Even a little child knows lying is wrong. You, you say, well, why does even a, a little child know that lying is wrong? Because God himself put something into the hearts of every one of his creation, and it's called a conscience. Say this, I have a conscience. Now, you can sear your conscience by violating it over and over again to where it doesn't convict you as well as it should. But all of us have been given a conscience. And even when we were little children, we knew that certain things were wrong. But, you know, and when we did them, you know, we would, we would feel conviction or, you know, maybe your heart would race or maybe you just knew it was wrong. I remember as a kid knowing how to teach me uh, that lying was wrong. But yet we see that. Uh, it's something that all of humanity struggles with and fights against the conscience that God put in all of us. Now, because we've been given a conscience, nobody had to teach us how to lie. Nobody sat us down as little children. Now, there's sometimes, son, where you're going to have to lie. And here's how to do it. Your mother's going to ask you if you cleaned up your room. and No, you're, you, you know, you, you never had to teach a kid to lie. They just instantly knew how to do it. And you, so even though we had this conscience and we knew it was wrong, yet we also on the, at the same time had a sinful nature that had an, an aptitude or an affinity for lying, knowing how to teach us how to do it. Uh, we didn't have to get sat down and taught, but we just did it reflexively. Why? Because while we have this conscience in us that convicts us, we also have a fallen sin nature that has an affinity towards sin. Amen. So I want you to I want you to grab this. There's a tug of war going on in every person. And it's not just, well, I came up to the altar and I confessed Jesus and I cried and I got saved. And now I don't have any problems with my flesh anymore. And I'm not tempted at all to lie. That's a lie. The truth is that we have both a conscience and a sin nature. Yes, we're redeemed. Yes, we're covered by the blood of the lamb, but we're still covered in flesh. Grab a hold of yourself. Amen. That's wrapped in sin. And we have this natural ability to give ourselves over to the sinful nature. And nobody had to teach us to lie. We just did it reflexively. Now, understand, because we have this conscience to deal with, the more we give in to God and allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to us, the more he allows us to overcome sin. Isn't it good that even though we wrestle with sin, we are not to be overcome by sin? Amen. 
We, we shouldn't walk around saying, yeah, I'm a liar. I lie all the time. You know, lying's my thing, and I, I'm a Christian. No, there, something has to happen when we become Christians that we get delivered from these things in the flesh that are not pleasing to God. So we got this sinful nature, but we also got a conscience. Uh, you know, because children know it's wrong to lie, yet some of them will do it reflexively when they get in a tight spot. Why? Because they don't want to reap the consequences of their bad behavior. Why do we lie? We lie because we, we, we're afraid of people. We're afraid of what they might think. We're afraid of the consequences of what we've done. So we think a lie is going to fix the problem. There is not one person who lied themselves in, into freedom. <laughs> you know, the more you lie, the bigger the lies get, the deeper the lies go, and the darker of a place we find ourselves in. So God hates lying, and it's an abomination to him. And here are four reasons why God hates lying. Number one, God hates lying because it's not who he is. God is the God of all truth. God tells the truth all the time, every time. He's never lied before. Not only does he tell the truth, he is truth. He's the source of all truth. So when it comes to lying, it's something that is compl the complete opposite of God. It's diametrically opposed to his character. It is not who he is. And God has no tolerance for it because it's contradictory to his nature. Now, telling the truth has always been a foundational part of Judeo-Christian ethics. God has always demanded that his people be truthful. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us or give us permission to lie if it's convenient. Now, there have been those who lied in Scripture, and there have been consequences for that. And, you know, God doesn't wink at sin. But understand, it, it, when we lie, it, it is totally contradictory to the nature of God. He is truth and the source of all truth. Listen to Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he would lie nor the son of man that he would change his mind. Isn't that interesting? Some people say one thing, but then they change their mind and they don't keep their word. I don't know where you come from, but in my book, that's a lie. Oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm committed to you. I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll always by, be by your side. And then, well, I changed my mind. Aren't we happy that God doesn't change his mind? He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should change his mind. Are you getting this? He's constant, consistent, truthful, dependable, faithful. There's no lie in him, nor has ever a lie come out of him. God, our father, like every good father, wants his children to display his good character. You know, if you're a father, if you're a mother, you want your children to have your good character traits. If you're truthful, if you're a hard worker, if you're dependable, if you're, if you're loving, any parents out there. You know, we could have 10 good character traits, but what do our children, and one bad one, and which one do the children get inherited? Man, my poor kids didn't have much to work with here, only from their mother, but we want our kids to be like us in the way that, we, you know, we have good character traits. And God's the same way. God doesn't say, hey, there are my children down there. They're all a bunch of liars. Those are not the children of God. 
We're going to find out whose children they are according to Scripture. But God is truth. He's the source of all truth. And lying is not something that his children should do. Uh, you know, there again, we, we wrestle against this, and God is patient and he's merciful with us. But we've got to be coming to the place where we're rooting these things out of our lives, where they become the exception, the, the rarity and not the rule. Amen. So God wants us to be like him. We were created in his image. He is truth. And so when we're truthful, we reflect the nature of God. Uh, the point of being a Christian is to become more like Christ. And Jesus always told the truth in love. He dealt with all kinds of people doing all kinds of crazy things, murder, adultery, uh, you know, all the wickedness. And he, he never told the person a lie. He always told them the truth in love. He didn't say the person caught in adultery, oh, it's okay, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, you know, everybody's doing it. No, he told them the truth in love. You're forgiven. Go and sin no more, amen? Come on. Jesus never lied to people. The rich young ruler came to him and said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus told him the truth, and the kid walked away, and Jesus didn't go, hang on, hang on. Well, I, I'll offer you something different so you'll No, he told him the truth, and he let him walk away from the truth. Are you getting this? So Jesus always spoke the truth in love, and we as those being conformed to the image of Christ should always speak the truth in love. If we're going to be a person who always tells the truth, we've got to make that decision before we're in the hot seat or our back's up against the wall. Why do most people lie? Because they get pushed into a situation where now they have to make a decision that should have already been made. A decision whether I'm going to face the consequences, where I'm going to hurt someone's feelings, where I'm going to offend someone, where I'm going to be rejected by others. And they haven't made a decision beforehand. And sometimes all of us in our weakness, when we're pushed in the corner, we do the wrong thing out of fear of man. So this morning, all of us need to make a decision of our will that we are going to remove the possibility of lying from our lips, that we're going to be those who tell the truth all the time and do it in love no matter what it costs. But you don't understand. They're, they're going to throw me off social media. But you don't understand. They're not going to invite me to the party anymore. Well, you don't understand. They're going to call me this label and that label and racist and homophobe and thisophobe and thatophobe. Listen, it doesn't matter what it costs us. We've got to be willing to take the risk to tell the truth to a generation who needs truth. God is truth and God's people need to speak the truth the second reason that god hates lying is this not only is it exactly not who he is it's exactly who the devil is understand something our culture tries to you know make the devil a cartoonish image that people can just think is fictional that he's some sort of guy in a red leotard with horns and a pitchfork You've all seen that on the cartoons on TV. You know, you got the angel on one shoulder and then the angel saying, do the right thing. And the, you got the guy in the leotard with the pitchfork all red. Nah, do this, do that. It's going to be fun. That's not who the devil is. He's not cartoonish. He's slick, polished, and very real. He was Lucifer, the worship leader of heaven, who was thrown out of heaven, cast out of heaven for his pride because he said, I, I don't want to just serve God or be God's worship leader. I want to be God. I want to be worshipped. 
And so Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from the skies. The devil is a real entity, a real individual, a real spiritual force. And listen, he has characteristics and he has a nature just like God does. And let me tell you something. While God never lies, the devil always lies. It's who he is. Whenever he says something to you, whispers something in your ear, you can be guaranteed that that's a lie. When he says, you're, you're not going to make it, you're going to be lost. You're going to be guaranteed, I'm going to make it. When he tells you your family's going to fall apart, your marriage is done, then you know that God's about to put it back together. Come on, he is a liar. And as much as when we tell the truth that we identify with the Father, when we lie, we identify with the devil. Listen to John 8, 44. Jesus speaking to the religious crowd who was all self-righteous, trying to trip him up. They despised him. They hated the miracles he did because he was showing them up that they had no spiritual power. This is what Jesus says to the religious crowd. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Listen, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's a good place to say wow. Why don't you try and say it backwards? Good. Some people are just allowed to figure that out. Work. Yeah, the devil's a liar. And he always lies. And whenever he speaks to you, he's lying. If he tells the truth, he, he buries a little bit of a lie in it. It's his nature. It's who he is. And while God is absolute truth and the source of all truth, when we tell the truth, we reflect our heavenly father. But when we choose to lie, we, we show that we are not. We are, look what he says to them. You are of your father, the devil. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know about, you know, Jesus could get away with saying some stuff. Because what were they going to do? But he told the truth, and he even did it in love because he wanted to shake them out of their religious stupor. They were intoxicated with their own righteousness, and he knew he had to shake them up with the truth to get them to see and, and repent. But lying has no place in the life of a believer. It, it doesn't identify with our heavenly father. It identifies with, with the enemy, with the devil. And it's something that we have to root out of our lives. Now, all of us have heard the term pathological liar, haven't we? You know, pathology is the essence or the nature of something. So what does it mean to be a pathological liar? It, 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 that is also called mythomania or being a mythomaniac if you're a pathological liar. It's a chronic behavior of compulsive and habitual lying. Unlike those who occasionally lie to avoid hurting someone's feelings or to avoid getting into trouble, the pathological liar lies all the time for no apparent reason with nothing to gain. If you've ever met a pathological liar, they are scary individuals. I have. And they will lie to you just for the fun of lying to you. You say, well, what's that all about? That's demonic in nature. And it... When your pathology, the essence of who you are is a liar, 
it's a scary place to be. Now, I'm not saying that's anybody here today, but maybe you know somebody like that, or maybe you have coworkers, family members, people on your street. Understand, identify the nature of the spirit that is in a person and pray that God would break that power over their lives. But it should never be in us. It should never be in the people of God. God forbid that we be liars to the point where our conscience is so seared that we lie without conscience, without conviction, reflexively, just because we can. The enemy is a pathological liar. He can't do anything but lie. It's his nature. It is his pathology. So understand that God is truth, and when we tell the truth, we reflect his image. The devil is a liar, and when we lie, we reflect him, his image. So whose image do we want to reflect? Amen. Number three, the third reason that lying is an abomination to God is because it's a violation of his commandment. The ninth commandment in Exodus 20:16 is a crystal clear prohibition against lying. It says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So not only is saying that we shouldn't lie, but we shouldn't lie about people. You know, most lies, uh, you know, a lot of lies are told about uh, the person. They claim to do this and have done that and, you know, uh, all these things. People lie about themselves, but Usually they're lying about somebody else. And when, when we do that, that really hurts the heart of God. Because, you know, once somebody begins to lie about somebody else, their lies affect the opinions of other people. Then the people who heard that lie, maybe it's someone in the neighborhood. Oh, do you know about this one? Do you know what they do? Do you know, do you know, you know that they used to do this or they've been married 17 times or, you know, they, they're in the mafia? or <laughs> Anybody have neighbors? seen pictures, heard stories. You're looking at me like I'm making this stuff up. But people lie about other people all the time. People lie about you. They're lying about you at work. They're saying all kinds of things about you. And then, and then you wonder why when you walk into the room, people go, Because somebody's talking about you. And God knows that when that happens, it's destroying the, the civility and the, the, the unity that we should have uh, in society because those lies uh, create all kinds of uh, situations between people that shouldn't exist. So lying is a violation of the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. Don't lie, and don't lie about your neighbor. You say, well, thank God I live in the middle of nowhere. I don't have any neighbors. You know, in first service, I was saying, well, I live way up in the woods. You got to go up a thousand foot driveway. And when people get to my house, by the time they've driven up my driveway, it looks like they got off a, an amusement park ride. Their hair's messed up. They're kind of just like this. And, and you say, well, I don't have any neighbors. So, I mean, I don't have this problem. Listen, our neighbor is anyone we rub shoulders with. It's not just a person on the right and the left of our house. I know the people across the street don't count. No, our neighbors, anyone we come in contact with. So God doesn't want us lying, and he doesn't want us lying about others. It violates his commandment. Now you say, well, commandment, that's Old Testament. Listen, don't think for a minute that we can ignore the Old Testament commandments. They don't save us, but they're still a template for living, Amen. It's not like Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to throw out the Ten Commandments. Oh, you're all Christians now. You're all saved by the blood of the Lamb. So you could lie and cheat and steal and commit adultery and covet. No, absolutely not. God forbid. 
The commandments just bring us to a knowledge of sin, but we don't get to partake in those sins without, you know, and, and just pretend like, oh, it's under the blood. The commandments are still in effect, and God wants us to keep them, and God does not want us lying to each other, to him, or about each other. It breaks his heart because he is truth. Now imagine for a moment, just imagine this, if God lied to us. You see, the rubber hits the road, not when we talk about lying. Maybe we feel convicted because we've lied at times, but, you know, we lied at work. We lied to our boss. We said we were on time. We were late. We said we, we took lunch for an hour, and it was two hours. Uh, I'm talking about when you're lied to, you feel the ugliness of a lie. If you've been lied about, you feel the ugliness of a lie. But let's just imagine for a moment if God lied to us. Now, when I was in Bible school, I studied cults and world religions, and there are some cults and some world religions where their theology is that the God they serve is under no obligation to tell them the truth. In these religious systems, you don't know if, if you're right with God, if you're, if you're going to heaven when you die. It's all a big mystery. He's whimsical. He can change. He can, he can renege on promises. There, I'm not going to name the names of these groups, but listen to me. The Judeo-Christian God, the God of the Jew and the Christian, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. And he is the source of all truth. There is no lie in him, and our God is not a liar. But if God did lie to us, could you imagine the, the fear and the mistrust and the insecurity that that would immediately inject into our relationship with him? If you've ever been in a relationship with someone who is a liar, you know how difficult it is to really be intimate with them. You can never trust them. You can never trust what they're saying. You're always suspicious of them. And, and imagine if that was how it was with God. And everything in our relationship would be questioned. All of our faith would constantly be questioned. Every promise he made to us would constantly be questioned. Am I forgiven or am I not forgiven? Was he serious about that? Am I saved from my sin? Uh, or does he still remember my sin and hold it against me? Is there life after death, or do I just go into the dirt when I die? If God's not counted on to tell the truth, if his word is not counted on to be the truth, then what security do I have in my salvation, in my relationship with him? You see, this is why it's so important that we understand who God is and who he wants the church to be, that he is a God of truth, and we're to tell the truth. And the church is to walk in truth and speak the truth in love. Not to change the truth so as not to offend people who are being destroyed by lies. Oh, come on, help me preach a little bit this morning. Were they busting a bunch of Methodists? Come on. I'm working hard up here. Amen. So... We don't violate the commandments. We tell the truth because we, uh, we enjoy being the, the truth being told about us. We feel the effects of a lie. Thank God that God is not a liar. We don't lie to our neighbors. We don't lie to each other. And we don't lie to God because it violates the commandment. Now, number four, I'm going to close this message down with this point. God hates lying because, number four, lying hurts people. Do you remember I said at the beginning of this study that the only reason God hates stuff, it's not because he's, you know, crotchety or he's judgmental or he doesn't have any patience for us. He hates things because they hurt people. 
the reason that God hates lying is because lying hurts people. Just think of the lies that have been told in places of worship behind pulpits and how they have hurt people. Lies like all roads lead to God and God doesn't send anybody to hell and everybody's saved and God is merciful and, 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 and you don't need Jesus and Jesus is just a way but not the way. These are all lies that cause people to stumble into eternity without Christ unprepared. It's quiet now because religious lies are the ugliest lies. And a lot of us have come out of religious systems that told us we were okay and that when we died, we'd go to heaven and that we were saved only to discover that we didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We had done the rituals. We had gone through the motions. We had done what they told us to do and we listened to what they told us, but we weren't saved because we didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I was in a church system like that until I was almost 14, 15 years old. And I thought I was good and I was fine and everything was good, only to discover I was lost and I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And when I met Jesus, my eyes were opened and everything changed in my life. And now I knew who Christ was. I knew that I was saved. I knew when I died, I'd go to heaven. I knew there was life after death. (laughs) And I got to be honest with you, I was a little mad. That for 14 years, I believed lies. I believed religion. I believed the doctrines of men. But I didn't know the truth of God's word. So lies hurt people. And that's why God hates lies. Now, listen to me. Lying does not only hurt those who are lied to. Lying hurts the liar. We don't often think about it like this. Well, that person lied to me, and I, you know, I, I hope the ground swallows them up. And they, <laughs> if you've ever been lied to, it's, you know, depending on, I mean, uh, it's, it hurts. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But understanding lying not only hurts the person being lied to through deception, but lying hurts the liar. Lying destroys the soul of the person who's lying. Now, how does lying hurt the liar? Number one, the liar damns themselves to having to hide in the darkness and never being able to be honest or transparent with anyone out of fear of being caught in the web of lies that they've already spun. The liar can never tell the truth once they've told all the lies. Because the truth will contradict the lie. So now what? They have no real intimacy with anyone, and they're stuck in the dark, isolated all by themselves. Lying hurts the liar. Lying hurts the liar because people who lie all the time and they're found out, uh, listen, nobody trusts them anymore. So even when they're telling the truth, nobody listens to a word they say. If you have a liar in your family, a liar in your office, a liar in your neighborhood, you don't believe a thing they say after a while. I mean, there are always knuckleheads who do believe it. You know those people? No discernment, no wisdom, no common sense. If, you're, if this is not clicking with you, that's you. It's, uh, it's you this morning. Oh, really? They're, oh, you know, uh, and they'll just believe anything. But after a while, like the boy who cried wolf, the person who lies all the time, even when they're telling the truth, no one believes them. The liar damns himself to being mistrusted and not believed by anyone. You know what? Abraham Lincoln said, no man has a good enough memory 
to be a successful liar. When you're a liar, you always have to remember what you said. And you know what? The more you lie, the harder it is to keep track of all the lies. And people who are paying attention will begin to call you out. I thought you said you were here on Friday. I thought you said you did it. I thought you said you, you were a Navy SEAL on SEAL Team 6. And you, 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 you can't even shoot a BB gun straight. What, what? Liars always have to remember what they've said. Lying hurts the person who lies, but it also hurts the person who lied to. What happens when you're lied to? You're humiliated and violated that someone you trusted took advantage of your trust and deceived you. People who have been lied to uh, by people that they trusted, whether it was a parent, a spouse, you know, someone close to them, a confidant, a boss, whether those scars run deep, that we were deceived by someone we trusted. That is a violation of a person's heart. And a person who's been lied to will carry scars. Also, a person who's been lied to has their innocence shattered. Forever, they will have to fight the impulse to be suspicious of everything that people say. Think about that. Well, I trusted and I, I was lied to. Well, I, I opened up my heart and I was taken advantage of. People made promises to me and they dropped the ball and they never kept them. So now, no matter who it is and where I am and what I'm going through in life, I'm suspicious of everybody because I know the sting of a lie and I don't want to be fooled again. The person who's lied to has their innocence shattered. And number three, the person who's lied to is in real danger of being deceived. Uh, Lies are destructive. We talked about spiritual lies, but when you're deceived by a lie, you're in very real danger of suffering eternal consequences. There are multiplied millions of people today that have bought the lies of false religion, and they are standing on the precipice of eternity unprepared for what they're about to face. Deception is destructive. Deception costs people their lives and their souls. And God hates lies because even though the truth may sting when it's presented, it will save lives because the truth will open blind eyes and take sinners out of the darkness and bring them into the light. Someone say amen this morning. Lying hurts people. It hurts the liar. It hurts the one being lied to. God doesn't want us to lie to him, to lie to ourselves, or to others. Liars need to be called out when they're lying. I close with this. As the church who is connected to the Holy Spirit and has the source of all truth, we know the truth, and when we hear a lie, we know it's a lie. But we can't be silent about those who are being lied to because they're being deceived and there are eternal consequences at risk. You and I have to risk telling the truth in love. Oh, but pastor, they're going to get mad at me. They're going to throw me off of social media. They're, yeah, listen, we have to tell the truth in love no matter what it costs us. We can't rub shoulders with our friends that don't know Jesus and believe fairy tales and fantasies and talking about, oh, you know, aliens and Valhalla and all this nonsense. That's not going to save them. And we can't just listen to them and go, you're crazy, but I'm not uh, going to say a thing. We have to risk telling the truth. We have to speak 
to the lies of our generation and inject truth in there. You say, will they all believe? No, but some of them will. And we have to take the risk and we have to do it in love and we have to do it as we're led by the Holy Spirit. When we're being lied to or when we see lies, we have to call out the liars. I close with this. A wise teacher called out four of her students that she knew was lying to them. Four high school boys decided to skip their morning classes and they showed up to school after lunch. They told the teacher a sketchy story about having a flat tire and much to their relief, she seemed to believe it. The teacher just smiled and said, okay boys, well you missed a quiz this morning, so I want you to sit down in the four corners of the room and get ready to take it. Still smiling, she waited for them to settle down and she said, are you ready for your quiz? The quiz has one question, it's worth 100 points or a month of detention. Your question is, which tire was flat? <laughs> oh, man. I thought about this one long and hard. I'm like, how do you? How? She got him, man. She beat him. You know, like, go like this front tire. I don't know. But sometimes lies need to be called out needs to be done in love. And when people tell us stuff that isn't true, spiritual deception, their theories about the afterlife or about Jesus, we have to tell them the truth in love. Lying is not who God is. So as his people, we need to identify with him. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I pray that all of us would be given an extra measure of grace, that if we struggle with lying, we would make a decision of our will right now to tell the truth. God, where it's gotten easy for us to lie because we've given over it to so many times, and we lie because we're afraid of people, we're afraid to disappoint others, we're afraid to take the consequences for our sin. But God, how much better would it be for us to tell the truth than throw ourselves at your mercy and grace rather than to fool some of the people some of the time but stand before you as those who identify more with your enemy than with you. Help us, Lord, to be those who have truthful hearts and honest lips that we wouldn't lie to you, to ourselves, or to others. I ask it in Jesus' name. Now listen, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, I want to give you an opportunity today to come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you'd be saved. See, it's believing that Jesus was the Messiah, that he died and he rose, that gives us a the free gift of eternal life. We don't, we don't become righteous before God by doing good works or doing more good things than bad things. God doesn't grade on a curve. If Jesus, if we could save ourselves or we could be good enough to go to heaven ourselves, Jesus would have never came and died on the cross. He came and died to give us an opportunity to receive the free gift of salvation. We do that by a decision of our will, by admitting we're sinners, by inviting them in to our hearts. When we do that, he gives us a clean slate, a fresh start. He settles our eternity. You can leave this place knowing that you know that you're forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven, and that you are a child of God. You say, Pastor, what does that cost? It doesn't cost us anything. It costs Jesus everything on the cross Today, it's yours by a decision of your will. If you want to be forgiven, if you want a clean slate and a fresh start, if you want to be a child of God, I want you to simply slip up your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. How many people want to do that today? If you need to do that, 
slip up your hand. Don't be shy. God bless you today, young man. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm, I'm bad at seeing hands, so ushers help me out. Let's pray together. Those of you who raised your hand. Father, I pray today. I come to you a sinner. That's it. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to live a different life. From this moment forward, I belong to you, and I trust you, and I receive the free gift of salvation. In your name I pray, amen. You prayed that prayer today. You took the first step towards God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.